Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Golden State and six. That was my call. We're going back to Boston. Get the champagne ready. We're going to try to win this in the Boston Garden. He could have went into his Proud Boys chat room and said that, and we would have been none the wiser. He's a victim of a mass conspiracy. It seems like a lot of people think that masseuses are inherently prostitutes, but you can't excuse inappropriate behavior just because somebody told on him. He just quit on the team because he wanted to go to L.A. Head and shoulders, the best player in the building last night. The case can be made that he's been the best player overall in the entire series. You know, bird and the fish can fall in love, but where they going to make a home? Fish can't live out of water, bird can't live in water. I just might have some eligibility left. STFU, man, please. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You roll. Ladies and gentlemen, the star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Should be a lot of fun, a lot to get into, and I want to send big shouts out to start the show. Shouts out to all the people who are joining us for the very first time. Welcome aboard. We hope to become a part of your podcast menu, and there are ways to be interactive. I'll tell you about that in just a second. But I also want to give a big shout out to all the people who listen to every episode, who call the Sports Line who participate on Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page on Facebook, who tweet me and are generally interactive with the show. Shouts out to all of you guys. And finally, shouts out to everybody who grew up loving Kids Jam in the city of Houston. If you don't know what that is, I'll tell you all about that in just a second. But first, if you are joining us for the first time and if you haven't taken advantage, we do want you to be interactive and you can do so by calling the sports line we set up for you guys 24 hours a day, 832 Nine four one six six one four eight three two. 941-6614. You can call us with a, a comment, a suggestion, a request, uh, a a thought. You can just, whatever's on your mind. If you want to respond to something you heard on the previous podcast, feel free to do that. If you want to make a prediction, you can do that. You can leave a message 24 hours a day, and you might just end up on the very next podcast. Also, you can be a part of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page on Facebook like we talked about. I mentioned that uh, it's very interactive people post every day if you have a favorite team or sport or player you can post about that every day sometimes i post poll questions so you can respond to that and give me your comments uh, that way and also you can tweet me at wade's word w-a-d-e-s-w-o-r-d well coming up this time a lot to get into our guy from the special teams unit former nfl wide receiver reggie brown he will join us and we chop it up about a number of topics that's coming up in a addition to that we're going to hit you with some headlines and talk about all the things that are going on in and around the world of sports our resident dj dj anarchy he does his thing you'll get a chance to check that out and of course we have a Lamont Award for the big dummy of the episode. So all that and a whole lot more. But before I get started with headlines, I want to tell you what I have been up to. Brand new, brand new, brand new. 
usually do brand new to let you know what's going on with me away from the world of sports, just out in the world. Hadn't done it in a while, but I had to do it because this weekend was huge for me personally and huge for my radio station, KTSU 90.9. Now, I know I have listeners all over the world, and I certainly appreciate that. But by now, you guys know that I do Houston radio on KTSU, KTSU Sports Talk, the Friday Express. So you know about that. But this weekend, they celebrated their 50th anniversary. I've been there for the majority of those years. And also something very, very important to me. And so, like, okay, let me explain this. I have done a lot of things in this industry. I've been on the radio for 30-plus years. I've written. I've directed. I've produced stuff for stage. I've interviewed celebrities. I've written for newspapers. I've done a lot of stuff. Super Bowls, you name it. I've done a number of big, big things. And so it's not as easy for me to get excited about stuff as it was, say, in my my early 20s. But I was genuinely excited about this Kids Jam reunion. So let me explain to you what Kids Jam is. Kids Jam was a show that was started in the early 80s that involved kids giving kids a show on KTSU. So Monday through Friday, KTSU was primarily jazz and old school. So on Saturdays, the then general manager, Charles Porter, who was a friend of my dad's, they created a show for teenagers that called the Kids Jam. So they sort of changed up the programming, offering something that gave uh, kids, young young people, an opportunity to get on the air and also connect with other young people. So Kids Jam was created, and I came aboard. Uh, it started in the early 80s. I came aboard probably, as I recall, 85, probably when I got started. I was at 85, 86. And again, I was just a bit player. But let me tell you, at the time the Kids Jam was created, there was nowhere to hear rap music in the city of Houston. No other radio station would play it. And certainly no one would play local artists. So this was a conduit and a, a contributor to the hip-hop culture in Houston in ways that you can't even imagine. I mean, true pioneers of the art form and promoting the art form in the city of Houston, and mainly because of two three, uh, two or three or four guys doing it. And I'm talking about Lester Sir Pace, talking about Jazzy Red, Marcus Love, Wicked Cricket, Terry T, guys that were really, really important in promoting rap music in the city of Houston. Legendary guys who were so impactful, it's hard to really explain. I know uh, they've been working on a documentary about it. It's important because people need to know. You know, it wasn't always like that. You couldn't hear rap anywhere else. And KTSU, not only did we break a number of artists in this market, the local artists got an opportunity to have their music heard. And that was big for many, many guys who went on to do really, really big things. So they had a reunion. So it was supposed to be four hours. It went five hours. It was great to see guys like Murphy's Law, Stevie C, Michelle Milton, but, of course, when you have these sorts of reunions after so long, there are a couple people that were missing who are no longer with us. I'm talking about Wicked Cricket, who is a, just a Houston legend, and also Deetria Ward. Deetria Ward, when I was there, was over Kids Jam, and, and she's a person that has been as important to my career in radio as anybody and giving me opportunities and sort of shaping me and staying on my case and watching me and helping me grow up in this uh, in this industry. She's also done some stuff on the stage for me. 
when I've written a book, she came out and performed material from my book at book signings. She's just been, uh, she was a huge, huge part in ways that I, I really didn't think about until she was no longer here. So she was missing, but her spirit was there. A couple people who couldn't make it. I know Tammy Mack, who a lot of folks know from uh, Fox Soul and commercials and radio on the West Coast, all of that. She's big and she got started on Kids Jam. She wasn't able to make it. A, a number of other people weren't able to make it. But this was big. This was big not only for me personally, but it was also big for the city of Houston and for KTSU. It really was. And I have to tell you, uh, of course, uh, I'm not shy. You know, I don't bite my tongue about much. But I reverted back to being a little 14-year-old when I got around guys like Jazzy Red, Lester Serpays, Morgan's Love. And, and, you know, I just sort of dropped in the background and I hung just like I did as a kid. As a kid, I did little sports stories, little news stories, stuff like that, and contributed where I could answer phones, did whatever, you know, just being around those guys and really understanding how much fun it was, but did not understand the true impact. And I have to tell you, man, Jazzy Red is a really, really good dude, been a good friend of mine. My parents loved him. He kind of took me under his wing. You know, I rode around and then, of course, he had a rap career and he ended up going to the West Coast for a little while, but had some big songs here locally in the city of Houston and some national success as well. That was my guy. And so it was good to see him again. And also Lester. Lester, I have so much respect for Lester because Lester was the guy. Everybody wanted his attention. Everybody wanted some airtime. And everybody wanted to have their shot. And, of course, when you're in a format like that, everybody, you can't take care of everybody the way they want to be taken care of. But still, this guy distributed airtime and music and, and energy and deferred to a lot of different people. Nobody, you know, I've never known anybody to say anything bad about Lester Serpace, who's gone on to Rock Nation as an executive, owns a couple of radio stations, but just a good, good guy. Good to see him. Marcus Love. Back in the day after Kids Jam, and he's doing his thing and, and all over the country as well in, in radio. And, of course, like my man Murphy's Law, Parrish, that's been my guy for years. Stevie C, great to see him, Michelle Milton. It was really, really wonderful. And some big-name artists came out to support as well. I'm talking about Bun B. He showed up and paid homage to uh, KTSU and to Kids Jam and what it meant for him. And Scarface, of course, uh, Jay Prince from Rap A Lot, both of those guys came well uh, Scarface came to the station just to pay homage and he he didn't really want to talk about what he had going on and and all of the, the things that are going on with him he wanted to talk about kids jam because it was that important to him and so he was there Jay Prince called in it was just a great great day I was there for uh, all five hours Chili Bill held it down he he was the point guard on the situation so he handled it but it was a big big day and I've never been a part of something that was so impactful to the people that was in impactful too now for all the love i give for the friday express and for ktsu sports talk when you talk about kids jam the devotion and the way it changed people's routines every week every week people playing to clean their house and wash their cars and make sure that they were around the radio to listen to kids jam people would tape the shows it was huge because again you couldn't hear rap anywhere else so it was a really really wonderful weekend can't say i was really happy and really excited to be around for that and again i, I became the 14 year old me there were a lot of people 
people that came through and so many more probably would have if they had any kind of notice it was packed in that place it was crazy and it speaks to how much uh, those guys when i talk about jazzy and lester and wicked cricket and marcus love and terry t impacted their lives of course terry t went on to be king t and had national success back on on the west coast where he's originally from he mixing that dude was amazing back then also another guy who's with us in spirit big mellow Big Mello was big here in Houston, and he was on the verge of really having a, a huge national career. Tragically died in a, a car accident, but he was a part of that. So, And so many guys. Daryl Scott, a Houston legend for the mixtapes. Pierre Uchey. I mean, all of these guys were really, really huge, man. It was wonderful, a wonderful thing to be a part of. Be on the lookout for a documentary at some point. But if you were in Houston, you know. And so many people have reached out on Facebook, on social media to me about, hey, you know, they were more excited about Kids Jam than anything I've ever done. So it was great to be a part of that and, and be a part of history and being a part of the history of KTSU as well. So with that, going to get back to some sports stuff on the other side. Going to take a brief time out, come back with some headlines. And our guy Reggie Brown from the Special Teams Unit. And, of course, we have the Mon Award. All that and more. This is Sports Talk with Devin Wade Podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages six weeks to five years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. Welcome back. You know, uh, I really did fan out this weekend, and I know a lot of folks have reached out to me. I certainly appreciate that. And, uh, again, uh, continue to send the love because uh, those guys need it. Those are Houston legends. And just great to see everybody, man. Everybody looked good. Everybody was uh, in good health. It was cool. It was a really wonderful thing to see. LC, I forgot to mention LC and Rashanik. There were a bunch of people who came through and were a part of Kids Jam through the years. Uh, but I was with that that first main group uh, of uh, guys. And, and all my siblings, well, both my siblings, not all, but both. <laughs> both of my siblings were also uh, a part of that. In, in minor ways, they spent uh, their Saturdays up there, and we would get up there Saturday morning and uh, just do our thing and, and be around mostly and just have fun. And it was a great time and a great experience. So if you get a chance, uh, hey, just bear with me on, on fanning out because it was a whole lot of fun seeing Jazzy and Lester and Marcus for sure and, and everybody else, Terry T. It was great and, uh, yeah, a whole lot of fun. So with that, let's get into some – Headlines. In headlines, I have to. I've been starting with the Astros, but I have to start with them this week because there was a monumental clash of the Titans in a four-game series versus the Yankees in the Bronx versus the Bronx Bombers. 
It was great. They were booing Altuve. This was the two best teams in baseball, if you ask me. And I know there are only a couple other teams that can get into that conversation, but the best two teams in baseball did battle. And this four-game series did not disappoint for the masses. For Houston, and I think both the Yankees and the Astros can come away and have some disappointment in what could have been. I really think the Astros really should be shaking their heads and you ask yourself as a team questions that you may have to answer at the trade deadline so let's go over this uh, this four game series and i talked to reggie and you'll hear that conversation coming up i talked to him i want to say it was after the seven six game on thursday and of course he was gloating huge yankees fan so is uh, eddie robinson so is haywood jeffries all those guys love the yankees and uh, you know i have to represent my astros i have to represent my astros so i was really really into this if you weren't into this series you missed out as even as a sports fan even if you're not a big baseball fan you had to peek in on this one so the astros get off and uh, get a big lead 6-3 lead on the Yankees Thursday, Yankees come back and win that game, and Aaron Judge hit the game-winning single RBI single or whatever, and they came back against the bullpen, won seven six. On Friday, the Astros won three to one. On Saturday, the Astros no hit the Yankees. The only team since 1964 to no hit the Yankees, the Houston Astros. They've done it twice. They've done it twice in a combined no-hitter. That was amazing. Seven innings by Christian Javier. You would think if you had a no-hitter, you would think Justin Verlander or maybe even Framber Valdez. You would not think of Christian Javier. He went seven no-hit innings. Then Neris came in for one no-hit inning, and Presley closed the show. And then yesterday, yesterday it looked like, man, the Astros are going to win three out of four. They were up three to one in the eighth inning with two outs. They were one strike away from ending that ending at that inning. But Phil Maton, who was so great on Friday, on Friday he struck out Stanton, he struck out uh, Donaldson, and Aaron Judge. And then, of course, he gave up a two-run homer to LeMahieu, and that tied the game. And so the game goes in the extra innings. Astros had first and third no outs, had bases loaded, could not get a run in in the top of the 10th. And wouldn't you know it, Aaron Judge again with the walk-off home run. And so it's a lot of takeaways. If you're the Astros, here's, your, here's the thing you want to look at the most on, on the plus side. On the plus side, the starting pitching, Valdez went six innings, three earned runs. Verlander, seven innings, one earned run. Christian Javier, the no-hitter, seven innings, no-hit baseball. And Urquidy on Sunday, seven innings, one run. So you talk about four games where the Astros held the best offense in baseball to five earned runs in four games. They went 16 innings of no hitting the New York Yankees until Giancarlo Stanton got a home run off the off of uh, Arquita yesterday. But so th- those are the takeaways. Here's where you're going to have some issues if you are the Astros. Now, much can be said about why did you pitch to Aaron Judge in that situation in the 10th inning? When you had Anthony Rizzo in the on-deck circle. Well, you had Martinez, an inexperienced closer for the Astros pitching. If you walk Judge and, and load the bases, now you're, t- you're putting a, a lot of pressure on 
Martinez to not make any mistakes. Keep in mind, also, Aaron Judge was 0 for 3 going into that 10th inning. It might have been 0 for 4, 0, 0 for 3 going into the 10th inning. So it wasn't like he was killing you. I think he struck out once and flied out a couple times. So he wasn't killing you. So do you take a chance and, and try to go at Judge? And, you know, it's a, it's a – I mean, obviously it was the wrong call because he, he hit it. But a selective hitter like Rizzo would have put a lot of pressure on Martinez. You didn't want to walk off. You know, you didn't want to walk a guy in and in the game like that. So I think you have to worry a little bit about the bullpen. But yesterday, Jordan Alvarez didn't play the entire game. He came in, he pinch hit. Michael Brantley left because he had some right shoulder soreness. So he left early. So you had a lot of, of the others on the roster playing. Obviously, you had Bregman. Altuve just continues to kill the Yankees. He's hit more home runs off the Yankees than any other team outside a team that was in his division. I'm telling you, he he kills the Yankees, and they boo him, and they they want to talk about oh he had some sort of he was wired, and that's why they didn't want him to rip off his shirt in the ALCS a few years ago. But you know what? Hey, he keeps hitting. He continues to do the same thing versus the Yankees. He owns the Yankees now. Aaron Judge, like I said, had a, had a big game, but uh, and the Yankees do come to town for one game. It was one of one of these uh, weird one-game stopovers, and that was because, of course, of the lockout and all of that. But on Sunday, you also didn't have guys that you can count on in the bullpen to close out that game on Sunday. So you didn't have Presley, who had pitched 26 pitches on Saturday, so he wasn't available. Nares had pitched 20 pitches on Saturday, and Montero had pitched three days in a row. So you had some key guys in your bullpen that were not able to perform. But I will tell you this, man. This was a great series. I look forward to it because they talking noise. But to to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. And I don't care how many titles the Yankees from, you know, from Reggie Jackson to Lou Gehrig to Babe Ruth to Mickey Mantle. I don't care about any of that. The big dog are the Astros. That's the big dog. That's the big dog is the is the Houston Astros because they've gone to three World Series in five years. So, yeah, while the Yankees are the best team in baseball right now, to beat a man, you got to beat the man. And the Astros are still the man. And so there's time. Of course, a lot can happen between now and then. Health is important. Think about this also. Christian Javier would probably be a reliever once Lance McCullers comes back. So that gives you depth in the bullpen. I know you need a, a left-hander in that bullpen as well. So the Astros will make some moves at some point uh, if they deem it necessary. But this was a good stretch versus the Mets. The Yankees, the Mets again, the Yankees one more time to kind of give you a, a barometer of where you are as an organization and what maybe you need to do. Because, again, the Mets were one of the best teams in the National League, and Astros ran through them. So great weekend of baseball. You got to get into baseball if you haven't already. But a no-hitter, combined no-hitter, and extra inning uh, win by the Yankees, split 2-2. Astros can legitimately say – if they could have gotten just anything out of their bullpen on Thursday, they could have won that game, should have won that game, and then, then they should have closed the game out yesterday, couldn't get it done. Maton is one of those guys that's like, man, I get down on him, and then he'll show up big like he did on Friday, and then he'll let you down a little bit like he did yesterday. So just tough, tough weekend, but all in all, great and looking forward to the fall. This is going to be a great second half of the baseball season. So keep an eye out on that.
Want to hit on the NBA draft this past week. Uh, the Houston Rockets had three first-round draft picks, and it seemed like it was going to be Paolo Bancaro. That was sort of the popular notion that, that Jabari Smith would go number one, Chet Holmgren number two, and then that would leave the Rockets Bancaro. Ben Carroll, it surprised everybody, but Ben Carroll went one overall. That left Jabari Smith at three, and that's who the Rockets took. I'll get with my basketball guys, and we'll break down what the Rockets got and what it means to the organization. One thing I do know, the majority of their team is under like 22 years old. So they're going to be a couple of years away. The, the, here's, here's where the problem comes in it. Problem comes in when you're that young, you're going to take a lot of lumps. And you can say, well, hey, we have this long-term plan. We're going to stick to it. But once you start getting hit in the mouth all the time and the fans get the chirping and pressure's on the coach and then there's a breakdown because no one likes to lose. The pressure to win is big. And if you're not able to win, and they, it's going to be hard for them to win in the West. It's just, you know, no matter – and we had this discussion on KTSU Sports Talk and Ralph Cooper was talking about, hey, the Rockets should be a 500 team. There's no way the Rockets are going to be a 500 team in the West. There's just no – the, the West is too deep, and it may be getting even deeper. You know, when you think about the Kyrie Irving situation, which I'll touch on in just a second, but it's going to be hard. Golden State. Denver, the Lakers, the Clippers, New Orleans will be better. I mean, so many teams. Memphis, there's so many teams, and it would be amazing if they were able to make it to the playoffs or even the play-in. I just don't see it right now. They're just too young, and they're talented, but they're young, and we'll have to see what happens. And so we'll we'll talk more about that in the very near future. Let's talk a little bit about Kyrie. It looks like more and more like Kyrie is trying to, I don't know if he's going to opt out, but he's trying to look for a sign and trade. Seems like the Lakers are interested. I don't know why. So if somebody asked me, would I want to trade Anthony Davis to Brooklyn for Kyrie and Ben Simmons? And honestly, for both teams, I would say no. <laughs> I would say if I'm in the Nets, I'm like, no. Nah. <laughs> Street clothes. Anthony Davis, no, nah, I'm not trying to make that trade. And if I'm the Lakers, Ben Simmons, who knows what's going to happen. Of course, he had some back surgery, and before that, he had other stuff going on. Can he function in a high-pressure market like L.A.? And then you have Kyrie, who may. I mean, he, he probably would defer and work well with LeBron, but he may feel like he's the alpha male now, and that it's, it's him first and then LeBron. So I don't know. I mean, it seems like a train wreck waiting to happen. I don't think it'll happen. The interesting thing is, will Kyrie opt out? I know he's not happy. I know Durant is not happy. It seems like you're getting reports that they're not happy. So that's a, you know, that's a situation. I cannot sign Kyrie long term. I can't give him all that guaranteed money when you miss so many games over the last few years. One, because you don't want to get shot. Then you want to protest. You didn't want to. You, you just, it's just it's too much. It's too much for that kind of money. And if I'm an organization, I don't know if I can do that. We'll have to see how that pans out. I wouldn't make a trade for him. I wouldn't sign him long term. Let's see if he has the the guts. I mean, it's not a smart decision to leave the better part of $30 million on the table to opt out. But let's see. Let's see. I mean, these basketball players next level with it. As a matter of fact, that's coming up in the Lamont Award a little bit later on, some basketball stuff. Other thing I want to touch on, Brittany Griner, 
Her trial is going to start on July 1st. She's been detained since February. We'll keep an eye out on that. I don't know how that's going to go. Again, with all the rallying, I don't think Russia gives a damn one way or the other how we feel about getting her back. This is not peacetime. The, the Russians are at war, and they have that mindset, and they are not trying to do the United States any favors because, of course, the United States is providing weapons for the Ukrainians to kill their soldiers. So not a good time to get caught up in anything as it pertains to trouble with the Russians and Vladimir Putin. So just not a, a good time at all. A couple other things going on. We'll touch on them as well. Going to take a time out, come back on the other side, get into a little bit of Deshaun Watson talk. And then I have our conversation with former NFL wide receiver Reggie Brown from the special teams unit. That and more. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast anywhere. You get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. It's a vibe. You definitely want to check him out. And, of course, if you have music you want heard on the podcast, you can submit it. Music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. The genre doesn't matter. We'll play a snippet at the halfway point in an entire mix or uh, an extended portion of a mix, rather, and an entire track at the end of the episode. We've had played all sorts of music. We welcome all sorts of music from Latin jazz to gospel to hip-hop to whatever you do, rock, country, whatever you do. If you want it heard by our vast audience, just submit it. Music at WadesWordProductions.com. Look forward to getting music from you guys. Before we get into our conversation with Reggie Brown, a couple things. Going back to pitching to Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge 0 for 3. You got a base open. So that means you have a margin for error there. 
You get you got room there if you want to walk him or you know if you get in trouble get behind it, like they did with uh, Jordan Alvarez. They, the Yankees did the same thing with Alvarez. Got behind an account and decided to go ahead and intentionally walk him. You got room in there for, for for a margin for error in there, so you don't have to go at Aaron Judge because you do have an open base. If you have Judge on base, now the bases are loaded. You go with Rizzo, much more selective batter. Now you really have pressure on a relatively inexperienced closer. Martinez is not a guy that has been counted on to bail the Astros out of situations. So that that's my take on that. And also, Brittany Griner, they do, we did see her at least uh, today. The trial again starts on Friday. So we'll keep an eye out on that. And Rob Gronkowski retires, although I don't think it'll take. I think he'll come back in the regular season. I think he just doesn't want to go to training camp. We'll have to see. And then a little bit later on, if it is, in fact, a true retirement, we can elaborate on his legacy and his uh, you know, his career in the entire NFL. A couple of new things as it pertains to Deshaun Watson. Gonna be, there's going to be a disciplinary hearing with the league and, and uh, Sue Robinson, the, the czar of uh, the mediator of, of, uh, of discipline. She's a retired judge or something, and essentially the NFL does the investigation and the players union and the league defer to her, and ultimately Goodell can take her suggestion or not, enhance it, change it, whatever. So that's happening. They tried to negotiate a suspension for Deshaun, did not come to an agreement, ended that. And, of course, now you know by now 20 of the 24 young ladies have settled Four have not, and now Tony Busby has added the Texans to that lawsuit. So I don't know how that will change the entire situation, but I'm telling you, in my opinion, I don't think we'll see Deshaun Watson on the field this season. So we'll have to see. Now, again, the question is, and I'll ask you guys, do you think it's the right decision to keep Deshaun out for the entire year? Give us your take on that. Give us a call. We'll get you on the podcast, 832-941-6614. Leave a message, and we'll get your take on that or whatever else you want to get into. So now I want to shift gears, go to a conversation I had with Reggie Brown. I wanted to call him and Haywood in the eighth inning yesterday because it looked like the Astros were going to win three out of four. Didn't happen, and so I didn't call him. But we had a great conversation about that and a number of other things. It's the dog days of summer, so we have room to kind of chop it up about various things, and we did. Here's that conversation with former NFL wide receiver from our special teams unit, Reggie Brown. It's been a minute, but now we have back from the special teams unit, Reggie Brown back aboard. How are you this afternoon? Excellent, man. Enjoying this Texas heat to the best of my ability. Well, it's a real thing. It's a real, real thing, especially this this weekend. Uh, three or four days in a row near 100 or right at 100 degrees uh, plus. So, yeah, rough, rough times in, in Houston. But I'm going to start off with this. Go ahead. Brag on the Yankees having a, a big win last night. You hit me last night on it. Of course, the, the Yankees come back with four in the ninth inning to beat the Astros. What do you say? Go ahead. I'll take well, it. Well, not, it's nothing new. We've won 21 games this year coming from behind. Uh, but we're built like that, and uh, the Astros got our wrath last night. You know, again, timely hitting. I told you before, I think since we talked the first week of the season, we were 6-6, six and six, and I think since that time, we've only lost 10 games. 
Yeah, on record uh, pace for the Yankees, but they always find a way to file it up. And, and like I said, hey, <laughs> I, I'm comfortable. I'm really, really comfortable with Aaron Judge being Mr. June. We, we, you know, whatever you do in June, you can have that. So, yeah, while that kind of loss stings the Astros, it's a long way away from October. So it's a lot of baseball to be played. And, and of course, the Astros, they just want to win in October. I mean, what, three World Series in five years? So, yeah, we can we can take a little L here and there. Uh, you know, well, as, as long as they can bang on them drums and have stuff wired to their bodies, and you know, they'll be fine. <laughs> so, but hold on, that's the pot calling the kettle black. You know the Yankees were implicated as well. So, you know, again, I just think that they really wanted to protect Boston and New York, and they didn't want it to be widespread. If you think about it, the Houston Astros have been the whooping boy of Major League Baseball for a while. Remember, they were forced to leave the National League and come to the American League. So, you know, they, they're a team that's sort of disregarded by Major League Baseball. So, of course, when they get caught up in the scandal, we're not going to talk about the three or four or seven or eight teams that are really involved with cheating. We're just going to focus on the Astros. And, and they successfully did that. And so now everybody looks at the Astros as the bad guys. But we know the Yankees and Boston were implicated. So that's going on. So, look, look let's talk about a, a number of other things. Since the last time we have visited we have a new world champion in the NBA. The NBA draft was last night as well. NFL, uh, Deshaun Watson has settled 20 of 24 cases. What do you think his suspension will be? Do you think he'll be suspended? Does anything change about your opinion with 20 of the 24 cases being settled? I, I don't think that uh, my opinion changes. I think he should get, you know, a fairly decent. I don't think any more than eight games is warranted. I mean, I think that these things have to be done in balance. You know, Robert Kraft essentially was charged and guilty of the same. Not guilty. Not guilty. He is charged well, with dismissed. Guilty. Yeah. <laughs> same, same types of things as Deshaun Watson. And, you know, I don't even know if he had to pay a fine. And so, you know, there are people talking about a year suspension and a two-year suspension. I think that's that's too much. I, with all due respect to the women involved, I certainly don't want to disrespect them and um, whatever they had to go through, whatever trauma they experienced. But I do think that selling the cases and then, you know, some type of suspension, eight games or so, uh, is, is enough. So I want to kind of follow up on that a little bit. Because you're not the first person I heard mention Robert Kraft's name in the situation. Is it a difference between him going to a place where he was seeking prostitution as opposed to soliciting people in a different way? I mean, I'm, I'm just curious. Are these things the equivalent? I, no, I don't I don't think they're the equivalent. I think they're, they're, they're two different things. But I also think that the NFL and its bylaws hold owners to even a higher level than players. And so when you look at it from that perspective, if you're going to slap Robert Crabb on the wrist when he's held to a higher standard, and then, and I'm not suggesting that you slap anyone on the wrist. I'm suggesting that there has to be balance between the players and the owners. Yeah, and I understand the situation where, you know, the NFL owners, I mean, you've dealt with the NFL owners. Are the NFL owners really going to turn on one of their own? And, and ultimately, Goodell has no power, ultimately, because he works at the discretion of the owners. To me, 
it seems like the owners should be on the other owners to be accountable for what Robert Kraft did and to, to handle that situation. And clearly they had no interest in wanting to deal with Robert Kraft at all. Same, same thing with Daniel Snyder. And, yes, and, of course, we know that Roger Goodell testified before a House committee today, and he got grilled mightily yes. all about uh, Snyder. They want his team taken away. Ultimately, do you think that happens? Uh, it may happen. What do you think? I think that the, when it comes to the owners, as long as you don't mess with their money, they're fine. If you start stealing other owners' money and that type of thing, then you're going to have a problem. But your personal life and your dealings, I don't think they're like you said, because I think to some degree they all dirty when you get to that level. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep. And so, yeah, as long as it ain't stealing the money, they good. I want to ask, okay, so with Deshaun and and really Goodell getting grilled, do you think that will affect Goodell's – viewpoint on this because of course the NFL's gotten a lot of criticism in the past about Ray Rice and other issues even Ben Roethlisberger do you think that that'll have an impact on ultimately how the league handles Deshaun I do I I, I know that I read a report yesterday that you know there were negotiations had already started about how many games they would impose on Deshaun and the negotiations fell apart which tells me that the NFL is looking towards a pretty lengthy suspension for Deshaun. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see how that turns out. But the fact that they were negotiating and then those negotiations fell fell apart tells me that now the NFLPA and all of those things are going to have to get involved. Well, yeah, and, of course, they have a new disciplinary system now. But as a player – you had to vote on union leadership and who was going to lead the union. Of course, when you played, it was Gene Upshaw. Yes, so sir. why do you think the Players Union has not done a better job of making sure that the commissioner has so much power in disciplining uh, these players? Well, ultimately, it, it, yeah, they only give the extent that they want. The NFL is in control. Uh, the owners are in control and they have the ability to say, we're just not going to do it. You know, you're talking about billionaires versus millionaires. And there's a substantial difference between a billionaire and a millionaire. Yeah, but I and I wonder, like the play, a lot of people always complain. Oh, man, because I've complained. I've complained for years that Roger Goodell has held too much power in just really being able to dish out any amount of suspension he wants to. And I've never really liked that. But ultimately, the players union has signed off on these sorts of situations. Well, I think it's it's what you you said earlier. Roger Goodell works for the owners. The players' unions reps work for players, and there's a difference when you work for the owners as opposed to working for the players. So the players can give pushback and they can scream and shout, but ultimately, the owners, you know, they they're able to draw the red line in the sand. So say we're not doing it. Going back to your playing days, when this is what I heard from other guys around the NFL. What would happen was Gene Upshaw would come in during training camp 
But like yes, between sir. practices and be like, oh, hey, uh, by the way, sign off on this, this, and this. And guys, of course, trying to make the team. It's the the dog days of summer. They're in the middle of workouts. And many of the guys just sign off on it. You know, they're just okay, whatever Upshaw said. And nobody really kind of held his feet to the fire or, or made him accountable. Well, what do you recall from those uh, union days as a player? Well, you, you, you think about it. More than half of the NFL is not making the huge dollars. So these are guys who don't want play stoppage, who don't want to make any waves. And so they're going to pretty much sign off on it. You know, if you're a secure, you know, you're a Tom Brady type, you know, you're Aaron Rodgers type that, you know, financially you're already set. Well, then you can make waves. If you're trying to get to the point where you can really be financially secure and take care of your family, et cetera, you're not going to make the kind of headline talk because you want to stay in the league for as long as possible. Yeah, well, like I said, it's uh, it's understandable where the guys that have power are outnumbered by guys whose future is not promised for them in the NFL. Let's talk uh, some basketball. Of course, the NBA draft, and I don't want to get too deep into the draft, but I think one of the big stories is whether or not Kyrie Irving will resign, will opt in for a player option making thirty six million. Uh, and stay with the Nets if he doesn't get the long-term deal. If he does not opt in, he's a free agent next week. What do you think will happen with that situation? And if you are the Brooklyn Nets, do you sign Kyrie to a long-term deal? Well, first of all, no. And if I'm not any team, I don't sign him to a a long-term deal. He's certainly a phenomenal talent. He certainly can take over a game, has all the skills necessary to help build a championship caliber team but you can't trust him you know and and that's huge boston thought they could trust him cleveland thought they could trust him you know all of these teams and it always turns out the same now brooklyn thinks they can trust him and you know again a phenomenal talent but you don't know what you're going to get week to week month to month from Kyrie. so i i don't make a, a long long term I, I i pay him what he deserves but you know i think it was stephen a smith who said Kyrie is a bit delusional thinking that he can determine certain things let me ask you this now i mean i think a lot is seemingly dependent on kevin durant kevin durant obviously that's his boy that's his guy so if he's not happy with it are you I mean, do you have to sign him to, to satisfy Durant, or do you take a chance on Durant saying, hey, I want out as well? Well, I think, you know, those are the conversations that you have to have, and you have to have grown folks' conversations. And, you know, Durant is getting to a point in his career when, you know, his legacy is taking a beating since the Golden State days. And I think that he wants his guy I think if Brooklyn can assure him that they're going to get somebody to play with him and build a solid team around him, it may be doable. But I think that, you know, if if I'm Kevin Durant, I'm not placing my legacy on Kyrie Irving. I'm just not doing that. <laughs> he ain't taking that chance. Huh? So yeah. what do you think about Golden State being the champs? Any kind of, as we wrap up the, the NBA season, any final thoughts on the NBA season? I just think that, Steve Kerr gets a ton of credit, Draymond, Clay, and, and certainly Steph Curry. You know, for that team to build a New England Patriot type of legacy, 
is amazing. And, you know, they just got a lot of lunch pail guys who go to work, who fight. You think about Clay, uh, who endured those injuries and continued to fight and come back disappointment after disappointment, injury after injury, and then come back and compete at a high level. Draymond continues to play hard, you know, be the enforcer for that team. And then I think that this championship has certainly moved Steph Curry into top 10 all time. Well, yeah, and we've I heard a lot of people have those conversations. And it's an interesting one when you start to, to look at names and who would you put on, who would you put off. So that, that's a, a conversation for another day. But I know this. You've uh, been in the in the chat rooms. You've been doing your research on the NFL. What are they talking about in Dolphin World these days? Hey, man, we are, we are extremely excited. You know, football and fans, fanatics, if you will, can be crazy. For Kyrie Irving to get death threats because he said that Tua was more accurate than Mahomes. Oh, you talking about Tyreek? Tyreek. Tyreek, I'm sorry. Tyreek is more accurate than Mahomes. And to get death threats behind that, man, the world. So wait a minute. You you saying that Tyreek Hill got death threats after saying that Tua was more accurate than Mahomes? Oh yeah, it was it was posted. It was talked about a great deal yesterday. He even said it on his podcast. They even talked about killing his kids, man. Oh, man, I, I, that is that's insane. Uh, Insanity, I, man. Yeah. Now again, you need to get your boy though about those statements, though. <laughs> well, well. So, so let's, let, let's let's just have a brief conversation. I know you want to go ahead. <laughs> I mean, he he said in in his podcast he said. Mahomes is clearly the better quarterback, which is undeniable. The only statement that he made is he thought that Tua was more accurate. And if you look at the numbers, purely the numbers, then the numbers bear out that the accuracy and completion percentages, Tua is higher. That doesn't mean he's a better player. doesn't mean he has a stronger arm. It simply means that Tyreek, in his estimation, thinks he's more accurate. And then secondly, what do you think Tyreek is going to say about his new quarterback who has been through all that he's been through and he's trying to build confidence and be a team leader, et cetera, et cetera. Even if you don't believe what he said, you expect him to say that. Well, and I expect him to heap praise on Tua. Yeah, because I think yeah. I think they know it's important to instill that confidence in Tua. And, and, and that's me not knowing how if Tua is having any questions about his confidence. But I know that everybody in that organization wants to affirm that he is the guy. And I think that, of course, Tyree, you can say a lot of good things about him. Say, man, I love him. I love his accuracy. I love this and that and that. And don't even get into the comparison conversation because now, you know, now you're putting a target on Tua's back. Every time well, he misses a throw. The that's the question. <laughs> that's the question that they asked. Right. And well, so, he you you got to step. You know how to step sidestep questions. You can well, st- I think that it is well. It, it kind of goes two ways. You know, again, one of the things that Tua is his greatest attribute is he's deadly accurate. Now, you may talk about his arm strength, etc., but his accuracy is the best. One of the best parts of his game. And so, if Tyreek feels like his accuracy is better. What's wrong with saying, I think his accuracy is better? (laughs) Well, I mean, if that's what you believe. But, again, I think one of the things that Mahomes is able to do, accuracy notwithstanding, is 
he doesn't have to be on the point. He can be in motion. He can throw yes, underhand. Sir. He can throw, you know, across his body. And, and that doesn't always lend itself to to being just purely accurate. So, but, right. but again, I just think that now that becomes a headline that every time he throws an incompletion, people are going to be like, see, there it is, you know. Yeah. So, but that's part of it. And, and if you can't deal with people, you know, looking at, you know, the uh, – bulletin board uh, material and having something to say about it, then you can't play in the NFL. So that's just parts of it. And I think ultimately come September, uh, the only thing that's going to matter is wins and losses. So, you know, this is good summer talk. Like you said, it's slow. And so, you know, and then Tyreek is going to say what he wants to say. He's right. not going to be held to any standard. He's just going to say what he says, and he's going to be fine with it. Again, because come Sunday, you know he's going to ball out. So do you think while he is heaping praise, could he possibly like say some things detrimental to to, to, a, to his confidence a little bit later on? Can he? I mean, do you think that he would be the kind of guy to say, hey, he has to do better, or do you think he'll, he'll know how to, to foster that relationship? Yeah, I think that, you know, it came out why he, he felt like he wasn't used right in Kansas City. You know, he kept that close to the vest. Nobody really knew that he had a problem with that until here recently. So I think he's a professional. But, you know, again, it's what did he expect? <laughs> I mean, because he he was it was he and Kelsey. And obviously there were times this season where a lot of teams doubled him and they put a lid on that uh, on that uh, secondary it's really creating problems going deep. So that opened up things. Depending on the game, you knew somebody was going to get you. It was either going to be Kelsey or Hill. Teams were picking their poison, and a lot of teams said, we're going to take away the deep stuff. I mean, did he have a case there, in your opinion? Yeah, I, I think that his his issue is just get the ball in my hand. You know, it's kind of Debo Samuels right. type. Just get the ball in my hand. It doesn't have to be a pass. Just get the ball to me, and – when that didn't happen, I think that's where the issue came. But again, to your point of can he be a professional with two and not bring, you know, some of his issues that they may experience during the season to the team, I think he'll be able to be a professional and say the right things when it's time to say the right things. But I don't expect him to have to say that because two are going to turn up. Well, hey, before we wrap up, anything else uh, standing out to you in the world of sports that you want to comment on since we, it's been a minute? Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's a crazy time in sports, you know. The salary caps are, you know, getting ready to shoot shoot up. I'm interested to see where the NFL ticket is going to go so that I can make sure. I hope it, you know, doesn't go to DirecTV so I can get rid of that and, and, and get me a cheaper cable company, I can tell you that. Amen, amen, amen to that. <laughs> so if they go to Prime, and again, I don't know when they're going to make that announcement, but, yeah, it seems like uh, that would be something that would reverberate among the, the fan bases around the NFL. Yeah, that would be a better deal, wouldn't you think? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, I, I only have direct TV because it's the ticket. And so when the ticket leaves, I leave. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. So that, 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 that'll be interesting uh, to see. How, uh, how about things in the swag? You looking forward to some swag football? Hey, man, it's getting close. I talked to Coach Eddie Robinson at Alabama State last night. We have 70 young men that stayed for the summer and going through the summer workout program, and I'm expecting huge things from us this year. 
we just had Bubba on the podcast. Going to get with Eddie uh, real soon. And, uh, of course, Coach McKinney and a few other coaches from around the swag. So we're going to get geared up to talk a lot of swag football. I'm excited about it. I know you're going to come out and support TSU on the weeks you're not in, uh, at an Alabama State game, right? Most definitely. I'm a swag guy, man. I, I love swag football. I love the competition. And as long as they're not playing Alabama State, I'm going to support TSU. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, uh, and I asked Bubba about the rivalry with, with former opponents and former teammates. Um, speaking of former teammates, uh, and I, you may not have crossed paths at the time with Alonzo Highsmith. He might have been gone by the time you got there. But what do you think about him going to the U and uh, serving a role in the the University of Miami's uh, administration, sports administration? Well, certainly I know Alonzo Highsmith really well. That's my homeboy from Miami. Uh, watched him um, in 1984 in the Miracle in Miami, win the national championship, and has followed his career. Uh, talked to him often and uh, super excited for him to be able to go back to the U. Um, you know, they, they're bringing players back. They brought back Ed Reed. They brought back several players to try to recreate that atmosphere, and I'm looking forward to a national championship from the U. Hey, man, well, we certainly appreciate the time. Always interesting to sort of just chop it up. And, and this is a kind of good show because we can kind of talk about a variety of things and kind of throw some stuff out there and, and just sort of chop it up. So I certainly appreciate the time as always. How can folks reach you on social media? At Dr. Reginald Brown at Twitter, Reginald Brown 08 on Facebook. But hit me on Twitter, man. It's a great time on Twitter, man. And we got some things brewing, got some podcasts we're thinking about. So, um, and certainly, uh, Devin, you're going to be a huge part of that. And I just love being a part of the special teams. Hey, man, we appreciate you. And we'll talk to you real, real soon. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. Want to thank Reggie as always. If you have a take on what he has to say, give us a call 832 941 6614. Now, with that, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big. The Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports we deem to be the big dummy. This time we're going with an organization. And some of this is their fault and some of it isn't. But when you just hear the numbers, when you hear the amount of money involved, you just have no choice but to give the Lamont Award to the Houston Rockets. Now, the Houston Rockets are in the middle of a youth movement. So what you do have is one veteran asset that is John Wall. That's the one veteran you have, and you want to parlay that into something. But here's the problem. You can't. He makes too much money. You've already paid him too much money, and you look really, really stupid, in my opinion. Now, again, you give me your take on this, but here's the deal. John Wall came in a trade with the Washington Wizards, in 2021 right he had been out for a year and a half or so with with achilles injuries i mean he he just been racked with injuries so he comes to you at 30 years of age you get him and a 2023 protected first round draft pick so next year they'll have a draft pick that came with that trade that sent westbrook 
to the Wizards. So in 2021, he made $41,254,920. That's what he made in 2021. And in 21-22, he made $44,310,840. That's what he made. Those were just for, for those two years. Here's what happened that made me give the Rockets the Lamont Award. You couldn't trade him. You couldn't. No one. There were no takers for him, right? And so now he had a player option for 2023. And for 2023, the Rockets will pay him $47,366,760 to not play for them. So he, over the course of his three years here, will have made $132,932,440 for 40 games. And that comes to a total of $3,323,311 per game for John Wall. Now, again, there are a lot, of, a lot of variables here. Everything isn't necessarily the Rockets' fault. But anytime you are giving a guy, what, $81 million to not play for you, and you're, you're giving him $3.3 million a game, and you're one of the worst franchises right now in the NBA, that makes you, Houston Rockets, big dummies. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Again, in basketball terms, in the bubble that is basketball, you understand the move. You don't want to risk him getting hurt where you can't trade for him. Well, nobody's trading for him anyway. And he you don't really need him. I, well, I, I disagree with this part. I do think the, the younger guys can learn something from him. But for forty-one, uh, what for forty-seven million dollars? Look, you would have to be a greeter at the Toyota Center. You would have to be back there making hot dogs or something. You're making three point three million dollars a game over your career here in Houston. You got to do something for the franchise. Now the rumors are that they're going to try to buy him out, and then he'll be free to join another team. I don't know why you would want to be bought out if you're John Wall. I don't know. Uh, I'll have to verify and sort of uh, refamiliarize myself with the process that goes with buying out. But I don't see the advantage of him doing that. Rockets would hope so, but it is what it is. And for that reason, again, I think the organization, by and large, is headed in the right direction. They have a lot of talent. They're really still trying to make up for mistakes in the past with Harden, Westbrook, Chris Paul, all of the things that went wrong for the organization they're trying to recover from, and they did a whole reset. And they have some young talent that's going to be amazing to watch in a couple years, but it won't help them anytime soon. And so there's that. So with that, before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go, hey, Serena is playing at Wimbledon this week. Keep an eye out on that. Astros versus the Mets this week in that one-game uh, matchup with the Yankees on Thursday here in Houston. All that's going on. A number of other things are going on. But also, give us a call on the sports line, 832-941-6614. In addition to that, like Post, share, talk about the podcast on various platforms, whatever, wherever you hear it, make a comment for us. Uh, we appreciate that feedback. You can also join us on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group and fan page on Facebook. And of course, you can tweet me at Wade's Word. And if you can't remember any of that, 
please remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. <laughs> this has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening. <laughs>